Welcome again to the Parenting is Heartwork podcast. I'm here with Elena Svetslot, and we enjoy talking to parents and working on parenting solutions. If you have a particular idea that you'd like to um, us to address, let us know in the comments, and and we would like to be able to respond to those things. Parenting is complicated sometimes, and and not sometimes, always. <laughs> and every child is unique and different. So if you have a particular challenge that you're facing in your life, then let us know and. We'll be happy to address uh, that in a, an upcoming podcast. Elena, welcome today. Hi, Dr. Scott. Hi, everyone. Indeed, such a blessing to be doing this together. And we hope that our podcasts are encouraging and inspiring parents, uh, giving them ideas, giving them um, ideas for uh, working on plans, um, hopefully to bring about change in their children's life. Today, we will be uh, looking at your book again. Equipping Your Child to Self-Regulate Emotions. This is a free book that you have recently published online and it can be found on your website. Um, and we will talk about the three dangerous beliefs that complicate emotional intensity. Um, and we will take each one in, in part and we will look at that. I think it will be, it's, it's very good for parents to, um, to learn more and understand more um, on how what they look like, how they um, show in their in their children's lives and what can they do to um, let's say uh, work work against or and with their children um, to get to get this uh, in control and to be replaced by good character um, that we want to build in our children. Dr. Scott, um, would you like to introduce us to these three um, emotions, these three sure. beliefs? I would say yes. Yeah, I think that. Uh, what we're trying to say here is that when we use a heart-based approach to parenting, it's different than using a behavior modification approach. So a heart-based approach recognizes that inside of the heart, there are a lot of things swirling around at the same time. It's not just emotions, but those emotions are often fed by beliefs. And when children ha hold on to false beliefs inside of their hearts, they can find themselves upset more often. So if we can help address the underlying beliefs, we can bring more healing to a child's emotional distress. So what I've tried to do in this particular part of the book is identify one uh, false belief associated with each of the three big emotions. We Three big emotions are anger, disappointment, and anxiety. And when children experience anger or sadness uh, and anxiety, then um, it, it creates this uh, dissonance inside of them that often comes out in behavioral challenges. So what we want to do is help children uh, deal with those things. In order to do that, we have to sometimes challenge the beliefs that they have. So the first belief I have related to this idea of anger, because I find that many children who get angry have this belief about fairness and that this isn't fair, life isn't fair, whatever. And so this that you as a mom aren't being fair to me. And so this idea of fairness is one of those things I think we need to challenge. And, and I, I think it's under, misunderstood by many parents. I think many parents believe, and children too, that fair means equal. And so they try to offset this belief about fairness by treating their children all equally. Buy shoes for Billy, I'm going to buy choose, shoes for Sally, and so on. And what we're saying is, whoa, 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 let's not use fairness define fairness as equality, because when we do that, then we increase competition and comparison 
And this increases anger in the heart of a child. The reality is we're not all the same. And really what children want is they want to be treated uniquely and special. And so what we're looking at here is this ability to uh, communicate that to children so they don't rely on this false belief about unfairness. Because a lot of kids, they're just looking at their brother or sister and they're complaining about this child got that and I didn't get this and, and or life isn't fair and, and they make that complaint to the parent. You know, other families do it this way and all my other friends get to do this, but I don't get to do this. This isn't fair. And really, it ha doesn't have to do with equality. It has to do with what's needed in this particular child's life at this time. So we have to break down this uh, belief about fairness inside of a child's heart. And, and how do we do that, actually, Dr. Scott? Because it, indeed, I think we as parents have a lot of um, have a lot of that quality fairness in our heart most of the time because we want to we want to be fair to our children we want them to feel uh, both equally loved um, and I think it's difficult for us sometimes to explain to our children why you know one of them gets something and why the, the other doesn't even though even though we know it and we understand it um, how can we do that I think we have to intentionally treat children differently Uh, that may be counterintuitive for some parents, but the idea here is we're intentionally going to treat children as unique individuals um, that we're, we're calling them by their names. Billy, you need to come to dinner now. Uh, Mary, you need to go wash your hands and get ready for dinner. Billy, you need to put the forks out. So we're calling them by name and not just saying kids come and eat. We're also, uh, we're also challenging this idea of, of equality by not trying to treat everybody the same. So if we're going out to buy shoes for Billy, then we're saying we're going out to buy shoes for Billy. No, Mary, you're not going to get anything today. This is something we need to get for Billy, and we're doing this. So children need to learn how to rejoice with those who rejoice and be sad for the, those who are sad and not feel like they need to be balanced out in this whole process. So uh, uh, we're looking for ways to demonstrate to our children that we're treating each child based on what their unique needs are. And as we do that, then differences are going to take place. I have a plan for your brother. I'm not disciplining him in the same way I'm disciplining you. Uh, he's learning, working on other qualities that I'm not going to talk to you about right now. But right now, what you're working on is your anger management, and I'm trying to help you with that. So that's why I'm treating you the way I am. I love you, and I want to help you with this. So I'm focusing on that with you. In one family, mom uh, was trying to teach this idea, and so she um, made some cookies and brought them into the living room and said to her child, number one, here, you can have two cookies and here's some cookies for you and gave three cookies to the other second child. And the first child says, that's not fair. Mm. She got more cookies. And, and so mom says, don't look at your sister. You eat the cookies you want to eat. You want more cookies here? Have a couple more. This isn't about competition and comparison. This is about uniqueness. That's really what children want. They want to be treated special. And so we have to change the way we talk to children, I think, in order to address this particular issue. If it's misunderstood, children develop inside of their hearts this uh, balancing of the scales mentality, and life just doesn't happen that way. You, you don't get the same thing. In the scriptures, we don't see that taking place. That is equality. Uh, God treats each one of us in, uniquely. He gives each person a spiritual gift. That's different than what the other people get. He also, what he does is he gives people um, 
uh, he has parables and the parables, a number of them talk about how he treats this person, for example, gets five talents. This person gets two talents. This person gets one talent. And there's no discussion about fairness there or equality. There's yeah, this acceptance of what God has given. Yeah, I think that's uh, very clear, and indeed, it's it's, and I think it's it's very um, easy for parents to fall into that trap of looking at equality and fairness. And I think it's a very good story you shared, Scott. Indeed, um, we need to um, feel confident enough as parents, and I speak from my own, from my for myself right now, to um, to be able to carry on and to to explain to our children why we do that in a way that they understand and they see that we are the leaders and we know why um why we're doing what we're doing and i think they will in time understand um i really like that uh, that example that you that you shared and i think i will also also try it uh with the cookies uh dr scott let's move to the second to the second um uh um belief that we call pleasure is my mission um and i remember you i remember you talking about this um on a previous episode then talking about the fact that what we say is very important and can set the, the, the tone on how our children perceive uh, what they need to what they need to be feeling or doing for example when we when they're going somewhere and we say have fun and we kind of um, say that you know um, all the time when they are doing something then uh, perhaps that's being seen by them that can be seen by them as oh all I want to do or all I can do or what I should do is just make sure I have fun um, and you know that can be seen as as perhaps uh, indeed that the pleasure the you know what I want to do is my mission and that's only what I should care about. So how would you how would you describe this? How would you talk about this, parents listening? Some children believe that their job in life is to have fun. Sometimes parents perpetuate that in the lives of children, and that is really dangerous. But pleasure is a byproduct of a mission-oriented view of life. If pleasure becomes your mission, that is your, your goal in life, then you end up with addictions because you just want more and more pleasure. Uh, and so we really have to limit this perception that I'm here to have fun in life. Um, so what we're doing is we're teaching our children, they have a mission in life. It's not just about pleasure. And I think that sometimes um, children believe that if they... Uh, if they don't get what they want right away, that uh, they have reason or or impetus then to react emotionally. And so what we're talking about here is equipping children to self-regulate emotions. And so if they believe that pleasure is their goal and they're not getting what they want, then they start to get upset. What we're helping them see is that pleasure isn't the goal in life. You, there are other things that we're trying to accomplish here, and you have a mission in life, and that is to bless other people and to uh, get things done and to be productive, and and um, so it's not all about pleasure. So this becomes this target, I think, that we want our children to grasp, uh, and it really uh, sets the stage then, I think, for maturity and responsibility to grow. Children who believe that pleasure is their goal end up having a harder time moving toward responsibility. So we want to challenge this belief in a child's mind and life. I like to ch I like to provide this for children during the early elementary years so that they're already thinking that I'm on a mission. When they get to the adolescent years, they're on a mission in the adolescent years to develop adult ways of thinking and to learn how to 
process life, develop convictions and values. They're on a mission during those years where many, uh, many teenagers think that they're just there to have fun. And well, that's what gets them into trouble sometimes. So we've got to focus on, on this sense of pleasure as uh, a dangerous concept um, in this, in the parable of the, uh, the different kinds of seed, the, the seed that chokes is choked out by the thorns. Jesus says, those are, that's the one that's choked out by the pleasures of this world. And so we have to be careful about that because the pleasures of this world can really hinder a person from growing up, for, hinder them from being spiritual disciple of Jesus. It, they're dangerous. So we have to be careful in this particular area. Yeah, that's so important. I think so many times we as parents can be um, perhaps a bit oversensitive and maybe trying to um, give our children that sense of uh, relax, uh, being, you know, um, relaxed and having fun, when, especially when they're doing something um, that they're feeling uncomfortable with. But indeed, how important is it to be mindful of what we're saying and how we're saying that and what kind of perspective do we bring in their lives um, and I think also, you know, we spoke about this in a previous episode, Dr. Scott, but the way we manage um, uh, their disappointment and how we treat uh, when they have pain, um, it's also so, so important and so um, essential to, to how they experience, to how they experience um, this pleasure and, and how we want that them actually to, to experience it. Uh, very good. Dr. Scott, um, I would like to move into our next uh, belief, and that's the safety is my goal. Um, and I'm very, actually, I'm very interested in talking to you about this because I think this safety is probably the most, <laughs> the most human basic uh, need that we have. Somehow we really want to feel safe. We want to feel in control, uh, even without trying. Um, and even for us, but for our children, especially, uh, in the world we live where we feel so, um, you know, we feel so threatened by all the, the worldly beliefs that we see around us, but also by uh, the political environment, the, the economical environment. Um, and of course, we don't want to bring that um, deep, very close to our children. But I'm so curious um, on how you um, on how you um, bring this about uh, in, in for, for parents um, and how do you explain so I would love to to hear how do you um yeah your 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 view on on this belief safety is my goal. Okay, well safety is a value that we have, but as Christians we would not put a bumper sticker on our car that says safety is my goal because it isn't. Our goal is to uh reach out and touch other people and often we go past safety restrictions in order to do that. It's the Christians who cross the boundaries where, where we have disease in order to build hospitals or to bring relief. It's um, Christians who are out there doing relief for in places, war-torn areas that put themselves at risk. It's Christians who, are, who share Jesus Christ even though there's threat of danger in their own lives. So we do, we, although we value safety and safety is important, so that's why we teach children to wear a helmet when they ride a bike. So we are going to do things like that. We're not just, uh, just taking risks um, continually, but we are recognizing that safety is only a part of the picture, that we can't always be focused on safety. If we are, then that increases anxiety. What I've tried to do in all three of these beliefs is tie them to an emotion. So if we're talking about this idea of pleasure, children will be sad or disappointed if they don't 
get what they want. So they have to, we have to help them understand that pleasure is not the mission. And fairness is one of these things that children uh, leads them to anger uh, if we're not careful. And this one about safety increases anxiety. I suppose that's why we've seen so much heightened emphasis or, or not emphasis, heightened experiences of anxiety in children because of COVID, because of war that's taking place, because of storms or all these things that take place. And so we have to teach our children trust and they have to recognize that we live in a, in a world that is dangerous, but we don't have to um, get to go down the drain with all of the, the uh, danger that exists in our world that we can trust in the Lord who keeps us safe in the midst of the storm. That's what God does. And so we see continually the Bible characters in both the Old Testament and New Testament are finding strength in the Lord in the midst of danger. Our children don't get enough of that, I don't think. And so we're targeting that belief specifically to help our children deal with some of the anxiety that they experience in their lives. So this idea of trying to address safety is an important one so that we keep it in balance in our lives. Yeah, I, I really like that, actually, um, the idea of the fact that we have a, a different type of safety, even though we want to, you know, to keep ourselves, to keep ourselves, uh, of course, uh, you know, in, in a certain safety, we don't think of it as something which is only temporary here, or we, we think of life as something which is uh, eternal. So that also impacts how we think about safety. How would you um, explain children, Dr. Scott, uh, so they can understand it, uh, that because I think sometimes with the actions that we do as parents, um, you know, with the news they're seeing or with, with the things that are coming their way, um, how can we verbally explain to them um, that safety is not first or safety is not our goal, as it were, um, in terms when it comes to our life? Um, I find it sometimes challenging because it contradicts a lot of the like you just mentioned, it, it contradicts a lot of the beliefs of this world and what they see, what they see a lot, um, just as well as with ideas, you know, like what you feel is the most important thing, all these kind of things that are coming our, our way and uh, we see happening. Um, what would you say we can say to our children so it makes sense for them? Well, I think that it starts with the parents. I, I think that parents must understand more about what it means to trust the Lord in the midst of danger. Parents who, who find them their comfort in the news see a disaster happen over and over and over again. And of course, children pick that up and see that. I think we have the best solutions for anxiety are spiritual solutions. I can help children uh, without using spiritual tools to learn how to trust me as a dad or me as a counselor, just trust me. This is what it is. You know, I can do some of those things, but the best kind of trust comes with our trust in, in the Lord. And so we have to offset much of what's taking place in our children's worlds with the truths of God's word and help them see that, that God, God has something special for us, that we can, be, um, we can find a sense of peace in our lives in the midst of the storm. What are you going to do today? Are you going to get consumed by the news? And, and, or are you going to go out and help somebody? Let's go out and, and rake somebody's leaves. Or let's go out and, and make some cookies for somebody. Let's go out and serve other people instead of being ingrown and, and just focusing on ourselves. Let, let's look for ways to 
to bring peace into our neighborhood uh, and just by loving people and caring for people because God has given us this mission to do so. So I, I think that as we grasp the sense of what God wants us to do first, then that helps us to be able to uh, address much of the other issues that we have. If the idea of um, of anxiety and anger and sadness move us out of this ease inside of our lives, so now we're upset, it creates dis-ease in, in us. We need to move ourselves more into this area, and through God's help, in this area of comfort. Comfort is this moving us back into this place of being at ease inside of our lives. Children learn that through practice. And so we're going to look for ways. We can pray. Just praying for other people or praying for disasters that we see or bad things that are happening in the world. We can pray and pray, especially for the Christians in those areas who are sharing their faith and trying to carry out their commission that God has given to them. So all of that gives children a different perspective. So they're not just fearing their own danger. So powerful. So powerful indeed. So many things we can do um, <clears throat> to help our children uh, deal with anxiety and, and, and pain. And, you know, I, I'm so amazed, Dr. Scott, at all the topics we, we share in this podcast, how powerful this can be when we apply them. And I agree. It's, it's so, um, it's perhaps overwhelming for, for parents, but it's, it's so powerful. Also, they have so much power. We as parents have so much power, um, in terms of helping our children, um, with the help of God and with, um, the help of the Holy Spirit to make a big difference. So I want to encourage parents actually to um, see hope, to see that good things can happen in the lives of their children. And that's why we're, we're doing the work we're doing, also this podcast. We really want to encourage parents. We want to um, help parents find ideas, build uh, plans for their children, for the future of their children. So we would like to encourage you to listen to the other episodes that we have on our podcast. We have about 50 episodes available. Go and um, have a listen. Uh, do share with those who are um, you think that could be useful for. And uh, when you have a minute, uh, do give us a, a rating. That's really going to help all these episodes to be heard by other people who are looking for this information, for the for knowledge, for they're hungry to hear how they can become parents um, in a biblical way. Dr. Scott, at the end of our podcast today, would you like to, uh, to share any final thoughts? Yes. First of all, people can find my free ebook on emotional management for children in at biblicalparenting.org. So they can go there and find that. But I would like to say this. What we've tried to focus on in this episode is what our children believe. Recognize that it's beliefs inside of the heart that often drive children to challenges in their behavior and in their emotions. So look for those, try to identify what they are, and make some changes. We just identified three here, but there's lots more. And if you start thinking through what your child is not, the misbelief they have, then you can drive them to the truth. And God's word is truth. We want to keep focusing on that in our lives. And there's so much good scripture passages and stories and theology for children to understand that will keep their emotions centered in the right direction. Great. Dr. Scott, thank you so much for your time today. Parents, um, thank you for listening. And until next time, God bless you. <laughs>